The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. That's the name of Mike Robbins' latest book, subtitled Transform Your Life with the Power of Authenticity and the topic of our discussion today. A delightful read, this book tells the story of the self, a lost artifact of societal pressure, but more and more found today as a major shift in conscious awareness takes place across the planet. Mike is a well-known keynote speaker and personal development expert who has inspired tens of thousands through his speaking, coaching, and writing. Also author of Focus on the Good Stuff, The Power of Appreciation, and 30 Things to Do When You Turn 30. Mike is a former New York Yankees draftee who chose to play baseball at Stanford University instead, where he pitched in the College World Series and was then drafted by the Kansas City Royals. He played with them for three years before arm injuries ended his playing career. After his sports career, Mike studied many disciplines of both personal and professional development and developed a second career in the human development arena. Since then, he has worked with some of America's top organizations to teach and train and has been featured on ABC News the Oprah and Friends Radio Network, and several prestigious magazines. We're delighted to get this opportunity to talk with him today. Welcome, Mike, to the Authentic Living Show. Hey, Andrea, thanks for having me on. I love the name of your show. Of course, yeah. it fits right in with my book. Absolutely, <laughs> it fits right in with the show. Exactly, so there we go. Well, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let's just sort of jump right in there. Let's um, do it. One thing you make really clear from the very beginning of the book is that we are in some kind of double bind with regard to authenticity because we both long for it and fear it. Why yep. is that? Well, that's a great question. I love starting right there. It's, you know, I find I'll just speak from my own experience and then talk about what I've heard from many, many other people is, you know, I really want people to be authentic and real and honest and open with me, except sometimes when they say stuff I don't like, right? Or I really want to live my life in a vulnerable, genuine, real way except at the times when it's scary or when I think I might lose something or someone might not like me. So, you know, I think most of us are stuck in that dilemma to some degree, and it's easy to point the finger at people who aren't honest. You know, we go crazy in the media when somebody lies. Oh, my goodness, a politician lied, a celebrity lied. How dare they, you know? But hypocritically, we don't often look at ourselves and our own lives and realize, wow, where am I not telling the truth? Where am I not fully being myself? So... You know, it's one of the most classic pieces of uh, advice we give, particularly young people. Just be yourself. And, you know, we often don't sort of listen to our own advice. Um, So, yeah, there's a bit of a paradox in it. But like a lot of things in life, you know, we seek it and fear it simultaneously. doesn't mean it's not important. doesn't mean we can't 
engage in authentic living, as you know. But I think it's important for us to really tell the truth about it, that as much as we really want to be ourselves and be open and honest, there's a lot of resistance that we have, and it can be difficult and challenging. That's why I spend the whole first third of the book talking about why it can be hard to be authentic. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying then is one of the chief things we fear is what other pe- how other people are going to respond to what we say or do and our vulnerability and our genuineness. Exactly, and you know, it's not all about that, although that's a big one for a lot of people. You know, as we move through life and based on our personalities and our backgrounds and upbringing, I mean, some of us may be more or less concerned with what other people think. But, you know, I was <clears throat> given a workshop a couple months back, and a guy stood up as we were talking about this, and he was all upset, and he said, Mike, you can't just walk around being authentic all the time in life. And I said, well, why not? He said, well, because there's consequences to that. And I said, you know, you're right. There absolutely are consequences. I said, well, there's consequences to everything that we do or don't do, say or don't say. And I don't think, I said to him, and I'd say this to you and to me and to almost everybody, I don't think that we're walking around in life dealing with the consequence called being too authentic. Most of us are dealing with the consequences of being inauthentic more often than not. And in the places in our lives and our relationships where there's frustration, there's pain, there's conflict, mostly the issue there isn't that we're just being too open and real and vulnerable. It's that we're not. So, you know, yeah, we want to think about the things that we do and say and be aware of the fact that it has impact. But we use that in so many ways as a justification, you know, people say to me all the time, well, I can't be, re- I really can't be honest with my boss, or I can't be honest with my wife, or my, you know, father-in-law, or somebody, and I say to them, well, you could, you just choose not to, because you decide that, you know, it's not going to go so well. <laughs> right, exactly, and that I can't, yeah. or I have to, is a big, uh, another big barrier. Absolutely. Is it not? Absolutely, it's, you know, it's, it's always... You know, for all of us, the the places where we say I can't or I have to, um, you know, totally normal, very common reaction in life, but we just want to be aware of who says I can't, who says I have to, we do. And we could shift that. You know, it's not just semantics or words, but shifting things into, you know, just simply I won't as opposed to I can't. That's actually a more honest statement most of the time. I won't. I'm not willing to. I'm, sc- I'm too scared to. It, it doesn't feel safe to. Okay, fine. It's not that you can't. You know, can't is like I can't jump over this building. Yeah, you probably can't do that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right? But, but again, you know, it's like we're not all that conscious all the time about the words that we use and the way we relate to things or even the whole idea of I have to. You know, I was down in Los Angeles with my family. We live in the San Francisco Bay Area, but we were down in Southern California for the holiday for Thanksgiving. Uh, my wife and I took our little girls to Disneyland for Thanksgiving. Great way to spend Thanksgiving, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went to the Agape International Spiritual Center down there in Los Angeles where Reverend Michael Beckwith is the minister, and many people listening may be familiar with Michael Beckwith from The Secret, and he's got a PBS special out right now. Anyway, but I love Michael. He's such a great teacher. And one of the things he was talking about in his sermon on Sunday when we were there was a very basic concept that I'd heard before, but he said it in a way that really resonated with me about this whole idea of I have to, I have to, I have to, all the things we have to do in life. You know, he said, look, what if you shifted it to I get to? And I've heard that before, but he said, you know, imagine all the things that you and I complain about having to do. There are literally thousands, if not millions of people that would be so grateful to get to do those things. Mm-hmm. And that could even be said so in some cases for difficult situations. 
you know, painful, stressful things, if you will, we get to deal with our lives and our relationships and sometimes even the challenging parts of our lives. And what a cool opportunity if we look at it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think one of the other barriers to authenticity is knowing what we're talking about when we talk about authenticity. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think, you know, this idea of authenticity, you know, the word gets thrown around a lot in our culture these days. It's become a buzzword, and and I'm glad that it has, I mean, because it's important. We talk about it in politics. We talk about it in business. We talk about it in media. We talk about it, you know, whether people actually embody it is a whole other question, but at least it's out there being discussed. But I think people have a lot of different notions of what that means. Um, And being authentic doesn't mean necessarily that we're out you know, getting in people's face all the time and, you know, being really wild and creative and, you know, sort of avant-garde or provocative just for the sake of it. I mean, look, if that's authentic for you, great. But what's authentic for a lot of people has nothing to do with any of that. It's really about being true to ourselves. It's about being real and vulnerable and transparent in the moment. You can't be authentic like a thing or like a shtick. You can only be authentic right now, what's real and true for me right now in this moment, in this conversation, in this instance of my life? And that's really where we can take a look. And it's an ideal as well. It's like love. It's like health. It's like peace. It's not a destination. A guy, I'm authentic. No, I mean, you, you, you could get to a point and feel like you're living your life in an authentic way, absolutely, but we look, at any moment, at any day, at any point, we can be just as phony as, you know, look, I tell you what, and you probably can relate to this given that your show is authentic living, you know. I say to people all the time, look, if you ever want to get in touch with how full of it you are, just write a book on authenticity, you know. <laughs> That's right. It'll be right in your face. So, you know, it's, it's not a all-the-time, 24-7 phenomenon because, you know, part of being authentic and one of the most important aspects of living an authentic life is noticing when you're not and being able to acknowledge, you know, I have kind of a funny story about this related to my book. You know, it came out a few months back, and I was, uh, we, were, we were in a, we, I went to a local bookstore. The week came out, and I was all excited. Hey, babe, I tell my wife, I'm going to go in the bookstore, make sure they have the book, local Barnes & Noble. I walk in, the book's there. I'm all excited. Hey, and then I start thinking to myself, should I buy a copy? You know, and I know it may seem a little self-absorbed, but I had bought some copies of my first book that way, and I decided to buy one. I'm going to walk up to the counter and tell the woman, hey, it's my book. I'm just excited. It just came out. I'm sort of helping the cause. But I'm feeling a little self-conscious about it. When I get up to the counter, I put the book on the counter, and the woman says to me, oh, we've been selling a lot of these, to which my ego got all excited. And then she asked me a question that totally flustered me. She said, did you see this guy on TV or something? Because I'd done a few local TV interviews. And I don't know why, Andrew, but I, got, I was like, well, um, you, no, he's a local author. I just want to support him. Ah. I literally am standing there going, oh, my God, I wrote a book on authenticity. I just lied to the woman at the Barnes & Noble. <laughs> and I was so flustered. You know, I pull out my credit card with my name on it to pay for the book, and I'm like, oh, my. I mean, I don't think she even realized. I was just, I couldn't even recover. I just buy the book and run out of the store. And I'm standing out in front of the Barnes & Noble and telling my wife and sort of laughing but feeling like I kind of want to cry at the same time. But, you know, it doesn't mean that somehow we're this perfect, honest, open, 100%. No, it means we're aware of what's happening in the moment, when we're there, when we're present, when we're not. That's part of what it is to be authentic. So you're saying then that it's, 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 first, it's a process. Absolutely. And second, it's also uh, a process of mindfulness, kind of. 
Totally. It's about being aware. It's about being conscious. And it's always going deeper and deeper within ourselves because, well, I can be authentic. What's really true at a deeper level? Right. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to come back right after the break to talk about these things some more and get clearer and clearer about what it is to be authentic how to do it. We'll be back in just a <clears> minute. <throat> for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit... A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back thanking me for my concerns and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Mike Robbins about his book, Be Yourself, Everyone Else Has Already Taken. And I want to remind our listeners, if you 
uh, don't want to call into the show, you can also email me at Andrea at AndreaMatthewsLPC.com, and I can ask your question to Mike on the air, and you will get the same answer. So um, please feel free to do that if you'd also like. Uh, but don't wait till the last segment to do it, because if you wait till the last segment, I won't know about it till after the show's over. Mm. Okay, so you've mentioned the word vulnerability several times as you've been talking, and yep. that's, for a lot of people, a scary, scary word. So yes. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, it is a scary word for a lot of us. I mean, you know, it's it's almost seen in a lot of situations is like a bad word, vulnerable. What do you mean? You know, especially for us men. And, uh, you know, but really it's about intimacy. It's about openness. And it's really about, you know, allowing ourselves to be exposed, which is that scary? Well, it can be, absolutely. But I think... You know, one of the, I, there's a number of examples I share in Be Yourself, Everyone Else Has Already Taken, from my own life, from lives of my clients and friends and people who I interviewed for the book. But, you know, one of the examples from my own life has to do with my relationship with my wife, Michelle. And, you know, Michelle and I had been dating for a few years and we were living together and, you know, really great relationship. It wasn't an issue of, you know, was I in love and were we in love? But as we, you know, it was starting to come up about getting married, I was just terrified, Andrew. And, you know, I come from a divorced family. My folks split up when I was three, and neither of them remarried. And, it, you know, what I got in touch with, and I was aware of some of this at some level, but I really did some deep work and found that there was just a deep, deep sense of lack of trust that I had, of sort of everybody, but where it really stemmed was lack of trust in myself and being able to be vulnerable with my then girlfriend, now wife, and say to Michelle, even though I was scared and thought, oh gosh, she's going to run the other way and think, oh, he has commitment issues or whatever, it was letting her know and sharing with her very vulnerably about, listen, I don't know if I really can be a husband and ultimately be a father. And I just, you know, I'm not sure I'm up for that. I'm not sure I have what it takes, and I'm really scared I might hurt you, and if we have any kids, hurt them, and really, you know, I mean, and, and, and what, and, you know, of course my wife sort of already knew this, but in me sharing it, what felt like this, oh my gosh, I can't say this, this isn't going to, you know, make me look very good, what was amazing about it was being able to share that opened up the space for me to then have the courage to, ultimately ask her to marry me because I remember the freedom from that experience of being vulnerable with her like that I started to ask myself a question over the next week or so it was like if I really did trust myself what would I do well I would ask this beautiful amazing wonderful woman to be my bride if she would you know honor me in that way and you know and so anyway I think there's so many examples in our lives where you think about times we think about times where we actually get vulnerable get real share something maybe that we think oh gosh they're going to think badly of me, so to speak. But it's actually that which brings us closer together with people. And it's really fundamental for trust, for, you know, whether I'm, I'm working in the business world. I do a lot of work with corporations, and I, we sit around in groups a lot of times, and there's a number of exercises. I share some of them in the book about getting people to just open up and really reveal a little more of themselves. Again, not as a way to shock people or tell them all kinds of weird skeletons in their closet, but really as a way to you know, fundamentally connect. Because when we do get vulnerable, what I find, even though we're all different and we got different stories and different backgrounds and different fears and doubts, 
we're way more alike than we are different, particularly at the deepest level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now I'm a therapist, and so this issue comes up all the time when I'm working with couples about how to, you know, they come in saying they have a communication problem, but really what they have is an honesty problem. Yeah. And they're not able to really just say what they feel, and they're so afraid that if they do, there's going to be some rejection. And while that's happening, they're rejecting their own relationship. Exactly. Well, you know that, and you see it in the work you do with couples. I mean, the, the irony is it's the stuff that we withhold from our significant others. And anyone we're in a, any kind of intimate relationship with our children, our good friends, some people we work with, but it's really those withholds. And it is scary. Look, I mean, it takes courage to be able to look your husband or your wife in the eye and say, oh, I'm concerned about this. Sometimes I think about not being married to you. And, you know, oh, my gosh. Well, but how normal and natural is that? You know, I don't know anybody who's been married for more than a week that hasn't had that thought. <laughs> wonder what it would be like not to be married to this person anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And, again, it's not that we have to share every single thought that we have at every single moment with that, you know. But the stuff that comes up and, and consistently comes up in our relationships with other people, the fears, the doubts, the concerns, the judgments, if we can start to have the courage to share some of that stuff in an honest way, in a real way, in a vulnerable way, gosh, it's so liberating. And it actually, you know, almost always, it's never as bad once it comes out of your mouth and it is in your head. Absolutely. You know, and the thing about it is, and there's an exercise in the book that I talk about in you know, you probably do some version of this in therapy with, with couples. Is, and Michelle and I learned this from a therapist that we went to years ago. It's called clearing withholds. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a simple process on the surface, although it takes quite a bit of courage and focus to do it. And I, but I do this with groups of all kinds, but we sit, and Michelle and I often do this, particularly on our date nights or before we want to spend some time together really connecting, we'll do some withholds. And it's, you know, she'll say to me, Mike, there's something I withheld from you. And I'll say, okay, would you like to tell me? And then she says, yes, and then she says, whatever it is. And my response when we're doing this process is simply to just say, thank you. Right. You know, from the littlest, like, I wish you would pick up after yourself more to the, you know, sometimes I'm not sure that we're the best match in the world and I wonder about your parenting or I wonder about this or I was really embarrassed when you did that or, you know what I mean? I mean, stuff that, you know, and there is times she says stuff and I'm like, ah, and I want to react and defend. But the, the, we, the reason, the magic of the process is you make it safe so you can say some of that scary stuff without, no, without fearing the person's going to jump right on top and defend themselves and get, you know. Now, sometimes when we get done going back and forth, usually... 80 to 90% of it, when I do this and when I work it with couples or people or groups, it, it, it literally vanishes just in the communication of it because you realize the withhold isn't really about the other person. It's about us. That's right. But the ones that are the most charged or the ones that are the most upsetting that still after you say it, there's residue, then you can talk about them. And we'll sit and talk and I'll say, well, I noticed that one really kind of bothered me. Can we talk about that a little bit? But there's something about the process that just makes it way easier to engage. And the thing is, look, even though I know this and teach this, I resist doing it, too, because my you know, insecurity is, oh, gosh, she's going to say something that's really going to hurt my feelings, or I don't want to hear, or, oh, my, you know, it's going to be hard. But the, the irony is, after we, every time after we do it, without fail, we always feel that much more connected to each other and in love with each other. And, again, even if I'm doing it with a corporate group in a group setting, whoa, talk about vulnerable, I've seen some amazing transformations with some of the organizations I've worked with over the years doing this, mm-hmm. where people feel safe enough to just say, 
here's how I'm feeling, here's what's going on, here's what I noticed. Right, right. And when we don't do that, what we do so many, so many times is we blind ourselves to what's going on, so the problem just festers. Exactly. It just builds up. And, it, you know, it look, it's like anything. It's like emotions. You know, you can avoid and stuff and do whatever you want to do to manage and cope with your emotions. We all have created different strategies and techniques, but they eventually show up. They come out, you know, and that's the same thing with things that we withhold. And, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, they have a way of <laughs> making themselves seen and known. Absolutely. And, uh, pretty. No, it's not. And look, a lot of infidelity, a lot of substance abuse, a lot of overeating, overworking. I mean, a lot of the stuff, the stress, you know, there's all, everyone's like, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Well, what is that? It's the accumulation of emotion that's not being expressed. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're exhausted a lot of the time, not because we're so darn busy. Because, look, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening can relate to this. There's been times in my life where I've been incredibly busy, like insanely busy, not exhausted at all enlivened, inspired, and I'm not saying there's not, you know, value to rest and sleep, and there is, but, you know, when you're really engaged and inspired and excited about something, it doesn't matter that much. And then at the same time, look, there's been times where I get lots of sleep and I'm doing, I'm doing all the right, but it's like, oh, I'm exhausted. What is that? Well, a lot of negativity in my head, a lot of emotion going on that maybe I'm not really dealing with or expressing. So those things take a toll on us, and then we're busy, you know, taking pills or watching TV or drinking or whatever we're doing to try to avoid really feeling what's going on. Right. You know? Right. So authenticity in relationship, you know, what I say is it, it takes two authentic people to make a relationship, a real relationship. It does. And and in that process, you build intimacy, which we're beginning to understand for the first time maybe in the whole world that intimacy is the very fabric of a relationship. Yeah. It is, and it's, it's, it's really being able to embrace the light and the dark within us, which ultimately allows us to embrace the light and the dark with the people we're in relationship with. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, we don't see people as they are, we see them as we are. Yeah. And so, you know, the more we do our own work internally and make peace with ourselves, the easier it is for us to be in relationship with other people. You know, and, and, and relationships in and of themselves you know, are great as far as learning and growth and, you know, but also <laughs> they can be annoying and painful and frustrating at the same time, you know? It's like, wow. I mean, I love my wife and I have so many really wonderful friends, but, you know, every single person in my life at times gets on my nerves and drives me crazy. <laughs> sure. But that's part of what they're supposed to do. Again, not so it's supposed to be miserable and painful and awful, but so that we keep learning and growing. And, you know, it's so interesting to me how quick we are often to jump ship in relationships with people, you know? Yep. And being authentic means we hang in there. Yep, yep, it sure can mean that. So, yep. all right, we're going to be back in just a moment with more Authentic Living and more from Mike Robbins about his book, Be Yourself, Everyone Else Has Already Taken. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desk, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. What can you tell me about SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living brought to you by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, the school meant to help you fulfill your dreams, to help your world and yourself. And we're talking to Mike Robbins today about his book, Be Yourself, Everyone Else is Already Taking, talking a lot about authenticity. And uh, I want to hear just a little bit from you, if you don't mind, about how your journey to authenticity began. Well, gosh, you know, most of my life, I guess. I, I think, it, you know, it's, it, it has been a lifelong journey for me, something, as I think I said earlier, I both... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to and also scared of. I, I think one of the many significant moments in my life that really 
opened my eyes and, and deepened me as it relates to authenticity. I write about this in the introduction of Be Yourself. Everyone else has already taken. Um, my mentor was a wonderful man named Richard Carlson, who wrote, among many other books, he wrote a fabulous book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff, which I imagine many people listening have a copy of or read because sold like 30 million copies or so. Um, but Richard wrote the foreword to focus on the good stuff, my first book, uh, back at, towards the end of 2006. And then three weeks after he wrote the foreword to that book, he very suddenly died and was only 45 years old, um, you know, healthy guy, two teenage daughters, beautiful wife. He was sitting on an airplane flying to New York to promote his most recent book, and he had what's called a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot, and he's, he never woke up. And, um, you know, I, I mean, as anyone who's ever experienced loss, particularly shocking, sudden, unexpected loss of someone close, it was devastating to me. And, um, you know, I mean, even to this day, almost now, three years later, I, I miss him all the time. But what I remember experiencing right after Richard died was as sad as I was, as shocked as I was, this incredible opening, this incredible sense of perspective, of appreciation for him and of life, and a real deep sense of authenticity, which often accompanies death or tragedy. Because in the face of something that big and that hard, I think, to comprehend, most of the BS of life, if you will, at least in my experience, kind of goes out the window. And as happened to me at that time, like I think it happens to a lot of us, I said to myself, wow, I am not going to forget this. I'm going to remember. And while it did stay with me, you know, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe a few months later, that big opening of consciousness kind of closed back up, and I was back worried about, you know, this and money and parking spaces and that person and how come so-and-so offended me and all the little things of life, you know. But, but it was such a poignant, painful, and powerful experience. And it, it reminded me, Andrew, why from the time I was a little kid, I always have really liked funerals and have always felt funny about liking them and not want, even wanted to admit that out loud. But the reason that I really like and appreciate funerals is two reasons. One, um, there's a lot of appreciation and gratitude at a funeral or memorial service for the person who passed away as well as for life in general. I think it reminds us of how precious and uh, sacred life is. And the second part is there's a huge opening for us to be ourselves and be authentic and express ourselves, and particularly as a man, although we've made a lot of strides in our culture, there's so many rules about when and how and where we can express our emotions and be vulnerable and be sad and when someone dies, it's like a lot of the rules change. And even though I wish the person hadn't died in most cases, um, I appreciate that authenticity. So, you know, again, that's been one of a number of experiences for me that, again, I think it's somewhat universal that we really want that. Um, and part of why I wrote Be Yourself, Everyone Else Has Already Taken is because we actually know how to create that level of authenticity, that level of intimacy, that level of perspective, because we've done it, even though it may seem like the circumstance, the tragedy, the death, or the peak life experience, or whatever it may be, we think the circumstance creates that awareness, that consciousness. It doesn't. It may instigate it, 
But all of that comes from within us. Right. So, you know, my personal interest, as well as my desire in teaching people and working with people, is how can we more consciously, more deliberately create that kind of authentic experience just because it's Wednesday and you and I are having a conversation in the middle of the day, not because something big happened that prompted us to get there, you know? Right, right. So so uh, a big opening can lead to those uh, everyday, daily openings. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, it's like what if we didn't have to get hit upside the head by a two-by-four of life, if you will, to wake up, which it often, for many of us, I'm definitely in this stubborn category that it often takes major interventions <laughs> for me to go, oh, yeah, boy, i got to pay attention to that. Yeah. And what if it didn't take that? You know, what if we could just start to live our lives in a way with a sense of consciousness, a sense of awareness, a sense of depth that brought that about all the time? You know, it's like living, if our spiritual practice is important to us, let's say, what if it's not just about going to church or sitting down to meditate or being in the, right? What if it's like life is a walking meditation, a walking prayer, a walking ceremony, because, you know, it could be at some level, those sacred places and those sacred times, as beautiful as they are, they're just made up. They're somewhat arbitrary. We gather together and say, this is sacred time. You know, it's the same way I feel about holidays. I I like the ritualistic aspect of holidays, but I also find it sort of silly in some ways. You know, I don't mean to demean it, but like, it's like we wait till someone's birthday or we wait till Thanksgiving or we wait till whatever to sit around. And it's like, why can't we have Thanksgiving in April? Why can't, you know, talk about what we're grateful for then? (laughs) You know, and still celebrate Thanksgiving in November. But why can't I tell you I love you and how wonderful you are on, you know, Sunday afternoon, not just because it's your 47th birthday? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think if there is a purpose for suffering, that's it. it. That we hit the crisis and we go, okay, the mask and costume's got to go. Yeah, and, yeah, and and you know that's the thing that sometimes when you know we hit a really really painful point in life, it you know it's not the only way to grow. By the way, I mean I keep learning this in my own life. I don't have to make it really painful and hard and difficult just to learn and grow and go to new levels of awareness, but. Right. It will strip down our ego in a lot of ways and get us back to what's truly important. I mean, it's one of the things, and again, a lot of people are saying this these days, and I agree. It's, I think it's one of the many blessings of the economic crisis that we've experienced here in this country and around the world over the last year. You know, it's been, look, it's been really difficult and painful for a lot of people, some people more than others, and, and there's a reality to that, so I don't mean to be Pollyanna about it. But I think it's been a good wake-up call for a lot of us to go, wait a minute, what really matters? Right. You know, what's really important? You know, one of the, my favorite sentiments from that great book, the last lecture that came out, oh, I don't know, about two years ago, you know, the professor from Carnegie Mellon, right. who was at the time dying and has since passed away. But he talks about people are more important than things. And as simple of a phrase, if you will, or quote as that is, it's so important to remember that. You know, my, my three-and-a-half-year-old, we got her a Christmas ornament down at Disneyland when we were there for Thanksgiving. And Ariel is her favorite of the princesses and all excited. And my wife wanted to start a tradition of, of buying the girls 
Christmas ornaments on Thanksgiving each year that's about somewhere that we went for the year and giving it to, you know, this whole thing. And my wife's all excited, and she really wants to start these family traditions. Well, Samantha was all excited. She wanted to bring her ornament to school. This was yesterday. And she has it, and she's all excited. Daddy, I'm going to show everybody at school. And she drops it and breaks it. And it had a little glass part with some water and a little fish in it. And, and she screams, and my wife, oh, you know. And I instinctively ran over and picked Samantha up and just grabbed her and said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Because she was so upset about it. And I really, you know, and I could see my wife, look at my wife's face, like she's trying to have perspective, but she's like, that was the thing and it was expensive and we're trying, you know, and I understand the whole bit, but I, and I grabbed Samantha really tight and I said, sweetheart, remember, people are more important than things. It's okay that it broke. And I, we picked it up and we looked and, you know, look, we can take this off and look, there's still part of it. We can put it on the tree and, you know, like, you're not in trouble. I mean, and it just, and it was very much a reaction. And I actually, it was one moment recently that I was proud. I'm, there are oftentimes I react as a father, and after the fact, I'm not proud of how I react. I was really proud of how I reacted to that. Just like, right. and I was like, wow, that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And things are just projections of people's needs, you know. That's, yeah. that's a, you know, we're, it, it really is, you said that holidays are ridiculous. Uh, in some ways, that because we've put so much pressure on ourselves to perform in certain ways on yep. these days, and that's why we have so much expectation. That's why we see depression and all that going on. Sure. But the but the whole thing is is that it gives us an opportunity to have a ritual similar to what you just described about the funeral. Yeah. It allows us to take that day and say, okay, this is the day we're going to do this. But you're absolutely correct. You know, we could do that any time, and in the same way, we could grow at any time sure. without having to suffer. Absolutely. You know, and, and part of, I mean, you probably see this as a therapist. I mean, you know, people get really sad during the holidays, right? But I, I don't think at some level, and I've had many holiday seasons over the course of my life where I've experienced a sense of sadness or loneliness, or, but it's not the holidays. I mean, what it, the holidays shine some light on the sadness that's already there, yep. the loneliness that's there. Not even like a bad thing, quote-unquote. Now, we relate to it, and our culture is bad because, you know, Sadness is bad, and you know. But what if it's just part of being human? What if we reframed it? Exactly. Yeah, we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. We'll be back with some more of Mike Robbins and his book, Be Yourself. Everyone's already taken. See you in a minute. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, 
No, no, it's not food, it's sand. We don't eat sand. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. It's a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at SkillsUSA.org. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with our final segment, talking today to Mike Robbins about his book, Be Yourself, Everyone Else Has Already Taken. And, um, you know, there's lots of different ways we could go here with this short period of time we got to talk, because I'd like to just keep going forever and keep talking about this. Yeah. But I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit to our listeners about how they can get in touch with you, your website, you know, the things that you're doing right now, all that stuff. Yeah, well, the best way to get in touch with me is also the best way to pick up a copy of Be Yourself, Everyone Else Has Already Taken, is my website is beyourselfbook.com. And there on the site, 
you know, you can find out more about the book and uh, also sign up for my free weekly email newsletter just by putting your email address in there. I write an article every week about appreciation or authenticity or just some aspect of life that I think is relevant to furthering our growth and development. And uh, as far as you know, I speak all over the country. So when people sign up for my newsletter, they can find out where I'm going to be doing workshops or speaking close to them. Cool, cool. Now, your workshops are, you work with corporate environments. Do you speak a lot just to the public? You know, it it kind of is, is a mixed bag. I mean, I do a lot of stuff with corporate clients and organizations, so those events are, you know, just for those particular clients. But I often do public workshops and talks at, you know, bookstores and churches and community centers and different places. And I'm always open to wherever people invite me in to, uh, to speak in a way and, and do work in a way that anyone can show up to, which I really like to do. So it kind of runs the gamut, which I like because it keeps it uh, fresh and interesting and always changing for me. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. Okay. So, so listeners, you guys understand now that you might be able to catch Mike at a public arena. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and uh, so that might be a way to really connect and find out more, learn more from him about uh, yeah. developing yourself. Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, there's again, Marcel, there's lots of different ways we could go here, and I think what I'd like to do is talk a little bit about uh, some of the exercises in the book. One of my favorites that I just uh, talked about during the break was uh, If You Really, Really Knew Me. Yeah, this is a great exercise that I love. Um, I love facilitating and participating in. So basically, the the metaphor is that, you know, it's an overused metaphor, of course, but that of an iceberg. Um, and, you know, so I introduced this with the idea that most of us just show the tip of our proverbial iceberg, if you will, in life. You know, maybe the, the top 10% of who we really are, our identity, the stuff we think that's good and shiny and nice that people will like, right? But just like an iceberg, the majority of it is below the surface of the waterline, so most of us have... The majority of who we really are, how we think, what we feel, what's going on below the waterline. So, the idea of the exercise, and I usually do this in groups and break people into small groups, four or five people, is the challenge is for people to lower that waterline by repeating the phrase, if you really knew me, you'd know this about me, whatever, and you fill in the blank. And, and each person gets about a minute or two of undivided attention. And I always go first whenever I do the exercise with groups uh, in front of everybody. And it's just about, you know, being real, being vulnerable. And, you know, again, it's not about shocking. There's no challenge or, or you know, I don't, you don't have to say anything you don't want to say. But it really is about inviting people in and, and, you know, and I guess, yeah, challenging them to see if you're willing to share some things about yourself that maybe you wouldn't normally share. And what's incredible, Andrew, about this, again, whether I'm doing it, you know, with a big Fortune 500 company like, you know, Wells Fargo Bank or, you know, a small nonprofit organization or a group of teenagers or in a workshop with couples or wherever, I'm always amazed. First of all, people get into it and really do it. Um, And second of all, as I think I was saying earlier in our conversation, at the deeper, more vulnerable, intimate level, we're way more alike than we are different. And that's the thing that, you know, I always will say after we get done, whether people know each other really well, and sometimes I do it with groups of people where they really know each other very well, sometimes it's relative strangers, I'll ask two questions. First question I'll ask to the group as we're kind of debriefing the exercise. How many of you now feel closer to the people in your group than you did before we did this? 
almost every hand in the room always goes up. Mm-hmm. And the second question I ask is, how many of you could relate to almost everything that the other people said? Again, almost every hand in the room goes up. Yep. And so then we look at it like, well, why do we spend and waste so much time and energy trying to hide all this stuff? Because in, in actuality, that stuff, there's a lot of good stuff down below the waterline. It's not all our fears and doubts and insecurities and worries, and even those are wonderfully liberating when we can share them. But there's a lot of beauty and passion and love and insight and idea and creativity and all kinds of stuff that's down there that if we're unwilling to expose it, never gets out. You know, will we get hurt if we walk around in life exposing ourselves like that? Yes, we will. But we get hurt anyway. That's right. So, you know, it's like the more we try to build up a wall around us, the more it doesn't work. So, you know, I always say, what's the point? You might as well just let it all hang out anyhow. <laughs> right, and, and because you get to have yourself. You don't have to lose yourself as well as get hurt. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the thing about it is it's so liberating when, you know, look, this is not just about walking around and, as I like to say, sort of mentally vomiting on people with all of our stuff, right? Mm-hmm. What it is about is really just owning who we are, all of it, and being able and willing to share it and be comfortable with who and how we are, where we are in our present state of life. Right. You know, and this, to me, liberates me a lot as a speaker and a author and a teacher because, you know, I am no guru, master, expert. I'm just me. You know, I've learned what I've learned. I share what I share. I have some gifts and talents that I'm, you know, excited and grateful for and lots and lots of challenges and insecurities and issues. And I try to share all of it as much as I can in a real way, but also with an intention of making a difference for people. And I've got to tell you, a lot of what I find makes the biggest difference for other people, and I'm not trying to do it like a technique, but it's when I share my vulnerability. It's when I share my fear and some of what I perceive as my weakness People will say to me, wow, you know, I really could relate. I really understand that. I really appreciate, you know, and again, not every single person listening to this show is someone who teaches, quote, unquote, for a living. But if we really want to make a difference for the people in our lives, it's not about being perfect. It's not about having all the right answers. It's not about never letting them see you sweat. It's really just about being who you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciated so much about what you wrote in the book was that, uh, sometimes the positive things about ourselves, that the ways we view ourselves in a positive light are much more difficult to share, aren't they? They are. All right. That's the most important stuff. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, I hate it, but we got to close out. And uh, so I want to say thank you very much, Mike, for coming and talking to our listeners today. And I want to ask you listeners to tune in next week. We're going to be talking about how to get out of your own way. Just remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, Give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.